This is session 33 of A Better Brand of Happiness, our study of the book of Philippians. And in this session, we continue studying the paragraph that is uh, contained in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Let's start this session by reading that paragraph of Scripture once again. Follow along either in your Bible or in the notes that I provided for you if you're using our app. And follow along as I read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, where the Scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 is a paragraph that begins with a command, and that command is rejoice in the Lord always. Then that command is repeated and followed by five other commands that I believe flow from the command to rejoice in the Lord, and actually apply it specifically in various ways to our lives as Christians. And all of what I just said is contained in my one-sentence summary of this paragraph, what I call the big idea, and I've presented this big idea to to you in previous sessions. That big idea is, when you rejoice in the Lord, it will make you gentle, prayerful when anxious, intentional in your thinking, and obedient to God's Word. Now, in the last session, we started to look closely at uh, the part of the big idea that says, prayerful when anxious. That phrase, prayerful when anxious, is actually part of a subunit in this paragraph. That subunit is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Those two words give us a compound command that we started looking at in the previous session. Now, in that last session, when we started looking at this subsection, I mentioned that the command in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 has two parts to it. I call this a compound command because the two commands go together. There are two imperative verbs in these verses, but they go together to form really a single command that has two parts. The first part of the command is do not be anxious in verse 6. And the second part of the command is present your requests. So one part says don't be anxious. The other part says instead of being anxious, present your requests to God. And again, just as we continued a quick review from the previous session, we saw that first part The command, do not be anxious, that's where we spent the bulk of last time. And we noted that the word anxious means to care. It means to care. It's a word that is used multiple times in the New Testament, not always of anxiety as we know it, but rather just a concern, a care about something. 
But in this context, it's referring to a negative kind of care, the kind that takes over your mind and your body. It's really what we call anxiety in our world. Anxiety, which is also known as worry, of course, is a strong, negative, emotional response to something bad that could happen but hasn't happened yet. Anxiety or worry is a strong, negative, emotional response about something bad that could happen but hasn't happened yet. And we talked about how anxiety is really uncontrolled thinking. And an emotional response to that uncontrolled thinking about things in the future, negative things, bad things, things you would like to avoid if possible. They haven't happened yet, but they very much could happen. And anxiety happens when your mind gets focused on those bad things that could happen in the future, and it gets so focused on them that it actually takes over your body, and there's a physiological response to it. Now, in this section, we will move forward to the second part of the command. And that second part of the command gives us the godly alternative to anxiety. It tells us what to do instead of allowing anxiety to carry away our mind and our hearts, our thinking, and our emotions. The second part of this compound command gives us the godly alternative to anxiety, which is present your requests to God. And just as a quick overview before we jump into that part of the uh, command and that part of the verse, let me draw out for you. Uh, on these verses, what we're going to look at in this session. So I'm going to give you kind of an overview right now, drawing on the text itself, the things that we're going to cover in the session for today. Now, I've already noted for you that there are two imperatives, two commands in this, in these, in this one verse, verse 6, but in this sort of subunit. And those two imperatives are be anxious, and it's actually negated, do not be anxious. That's what we covered last time. And the second imperative is present. These two imperatives function together to give us a compound command. In this session, we're going to spend our time really focusing on this second one, present your requests to God. Now, also in this session, we're going to break down what the passage says about presenting our requests to God. And we're going to see that there are three other words for prayer that modify the word present. The word present, of course, is a command, and it means to make known, as we'll talk about in a minute. It's a word for prayer. But there are other words that are used, three of them, that are used to modify this command to present our requests to God. One of those words, of course, is prayer. That's one. The second one is petition. That's number two. And the third one is with thanksgiving. That's number three. And so there are four words for prayer in this session, in this section, I should say. Present, the command itself is one word for prayer, and it's modified by these words, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And so we'll take time to look at all of these words and how they function together. Also in this session, we will look at the occasion for presenting your requests to God. And that occasion is found in this phrase, in every situation, in every situation. And 
Last time I uh, misspoke, and I actually said that these, this word about anything, this phrase about anything, doesn't correspond to anything in the Greek text, but that's actually incorrect. The word that's uh, translated not here carries that idea. It means in nothing. And so I overlooked that in the previous session. But I bring this up now, not only to correct the error, but also to notice that the phrase in every situation balances and counteracts about anything. You're not to worry about anything, but in every situation, you are to, uh, with prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And so that gives us the occasion in which we present our requests to God. And we'll look at that in this session. Also in this session, we'll talk about the content of our prayers. And that content of our prayers is found in this phrase, your requests. What do we present to God? We present our requests. And we'll talk about what that means in this session. Finally, in this session, we'll talk about the object of our requests, the object of our requests, and that is, of course, God himself. We present to God our requests. Back in grammar school, God is the direct object, request is the indirect object, all right? And so in this session, we will break down each of these phrases and talk about how they work together to help us understand what Paul is teaching us about the opposite of anxiety in this passage. That's an overview of what we're going to cover in this session, and so let's get into it. So once again, the second part of this compound command gives us the godly alternative to anxiety, the godly alternative to anxiety, which is to present your requests to God. The godly alternative to anxiety is to present your requests to God. And the command itself is the word present, as it's translated here in the New International Version, or make known as it's translated in the English Standard Version, the ESV. Now, in the original Greek language, this command is a verb form of a word that's really common in the New Testament. It's the common word for knowledge. Sometimes it's used as a noun, Knowledge. Sometimes it's used as a verb. This is a, um, it's a, it's a, uh, an offshoot of that word, a form of that word, and uh, it's a very common one. And it, it's a word that simply means to make known or to reveal. In fact, this verb that's translated present here in the NIV text is a verb that's used several times of God's revelation to us. God presents some things to us. He reveals things to us. He tells us things. And this same verb that talks about the revelation of God is used uh, here in Philippians chapter 4 to talk about us presenting or revealing to God something else. Here's one of the many examples where this word is used of God himself. And that's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, where the scripture says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of, his, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you see how Paul is saying in the gospel, God has revealed something about how the Gentiles are to be included in the people of God now. And God reveals this, he makes it known, and that's the same word that's translated, present your requests to God here in Philippians chapter 4. Now, Paul is telling us then in Philippians 4, 6, when he says, 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Paul is telling us to tell God what we want from him when we are tempted to feel anxious. Instead of indulging in the runaway thinking about the future and the negative possibilities in it that come with anxiety and cause us to feel anxious, Paul says, instead, reveal to God what you want. Take your requests to Him. In other words, this is a command to be specific, to tell God exactly what is causing you to feel anxious and specifically what you would want Him to do about it. And so if we think again about my definition of anxiety and of how it's about the potential negative future things that could happen, What is the possible negative future outcome that you're worried about if you have anxiety or when you're feeling anxiety? Where does your mind land? What is the specific, negative, possible future outcome that causes you to spin out of control mentally and causes you to feel the feeling of anxiety? Or to put it another way, if you could control the outcome in the future, the one that you want to avoid. You could avoid that negative thing that you feel anxious about. If you could control the future and if you could control the outcome in the future, you could make sure that you avoid that negative thing that you're worried about and that you feel anxious about. But you can't control the future. None of us can. That's why you feel anxious. You don't know what will happen in the future, and you can't really control what will happen either. But your mind thinks about all those possibilities and bad things that might happen. If you could get the outcome that you want, the one that avoids all of the negative outcomes that you're worried about, what exactly would that be? When Paul says, present your request to God, that's really what he's after. What is the specific outcome that you would go to or that you would choose in the future if you could? And Paul says, instead of worrying about it, take that to the Lord in prayer. Reveal it to God in prayer. Tell God in the form of a prayer request and ask him specifically to do that one thing. Now, it's a little bit surprising that Paul would use this word to reveal to God or to make known to God the requests that you want. Because As you know, the Bible says that God knows all things. He knows our hearts and He knows our thoughts. And Jesus, actually, in a context of prayer, when He talked about not to babble on and and, and just kind of mindlessly repeat the same things over and over again, Jesus brought up the fact that God actually already knows what you want. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Jesus said, Do not be like them, that is, the babblers, who just repeat the same requests over and over again mindlessly. Jesus says, do not be like them. Why? For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. God doesn't really need your revelation. He doesn't need you to reveal to Him what you're worried about or what you're thinking about. He knows what you need and what you want before you even ask Him for it. And so if God the Father knows what we need... Why does Paul command us to reveal our requests to God? Why does he say, respond to anxiety by making known to God what you want, even though God already knows in advance what it is? 
Well, I'm going to let that question linger there for a minute, and I'll come back to it later on in this session. And so we'll uh, focus on that question in a little bit. In other words, uh, what we're thinking about here is, what is the point of speaking to God in such a way that we reveal to Him specifically what we want out of the situation? That's what Paul commands us to do instead of feeling anxiety. It's to get very specific about what we want. Now, as we go forward in this passage and as we continue to study verse 6, the passage says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And in my overview section, I talked about how there were various words for prayer that were contained in this section. I said there were four of them. One is the the verb itself, the command itself, present your request to God. One is the word thanksgiving. But then there are two other verbs, or two other words, I should say, for, for prayer. There are two nouns for prayer that are specified in this passage. And they tell us the method by which we make requests known to God. And so let's go back to the text And let me show you these words for prayer in verse 6. As I mentioned, there are four words for prayer that are all piled up together in this latter part of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And those four words are, of course, the command itself, present your requests to God. And then we have this word thanksgiving that we'll come to later. But then, as I mentioned, we have these two nouns. One is prayer, and the other is petition. And so these four words describe the command to pray. They tell us how we should deal with our feelings of anxiety and with the runaway thoughts that go with anxiety and that cause anxiety. We're going to talk again, as I said, about Thanksgiving later. But right now, I want to focus on these two nouns. The one is prayer, and the other is petition. These two tell us the method by which we make our requests known to God. Let's start with the first one, which is translated prayer in verse 6. That first noun that's translated prayer is a very common word for prayer in the New Testament. And it's probably the most general word for prayer in the New Testament. It's a word that describes any kind of praying you can think of. It can talk about a prayer of praise, a prayer of specific request, a prayer for somebody else. This is a very general word for prayer and a very common word for prayer. Now, as I just kind of indicated, there are specific types of prayer. Praise is one type of prayer. Giving thanks is one type of prayer. Praying for somebody else is a type of prayer, and so on. But this verse is used to apply to, or this word that's translated prayer here in verse 6, is a word that's applied to all of these types of prayer. It's a very general word for prayer. Now let's go to the word petition, the word petition. This word petition also tells us the method. It helps us fill in the method of our presenting our requests to God. And this is a less common word in the New Testament than the word that's translated prayer in verse 6. And sometimes this word petition has a more restricted meaning to it than the word that's translated prayer itself. And so these two nouns for prayer, prayer and petition, what do they indicate? What do they tell us about the methodology of presenting our requests 
to God. Both of them really mean to ask or to speak to God in one way or another. But why does Paul use them? Why does Paul use two different words for prayer? And there are two possible reasons why Paul did this. First, Paul might be trying to distinguish two types of prayer, as if one applied maybe to praying for yourself and the other applied to praying for other people. That's a possibility. Maybe Paul used these two nouns, prayer and petition, to distinguish two different types of prayer and telling us that the antidote to anxiety is to use both kinds of prayer. But I don't think that's the answer. I don't think Paul is trying to say, specifically pray this way and this way when you present your requests to God. And so that takes us to the second possible reason why Paul used two words for prayer. And that is that he really, really, really wants us to pray. He uses these two nouns for prayer to modify the verb, present your request to God, in order to emphasize to us over and over again that the antidote to worry is prayer, every kind of prayer, prayer that happens over and over and over again. In other words, Paul is telling us, and the Scripture is commanding us, that instead of focusing on the spinning wheel of worry through anxiety in our minds, instead... We should cultivate a habit of prayer. That's why I think all of these different words are used. He's saying, make it a habit to pray when you are anxious and to pray over and over again every time you feel that anxiety. Now, if we were to look at these two words that are translated prayer and petition elsewhere in Paul's letters, we'll see that he uses them interchangeably. That's why I don't think they designate any specific different kind of prayer. There's no clear difference of meaning that we could see in how Paul uses these two words. And so it looks like Paul is using these two different words for prayer to describe the command present in order to teach us to pray a lot and pray habitually when we feel anxious. And I think that that's because this is the opposite, or this is, as I said earlier, the godly alternative to anxiety. Anxiety for many people is a habit. It's a habit of mind. It is something that they have repeated over and over again in their thinking to to the point where their mind goes to places of anxiety, to thinking about the possible negative future almost almost without thinking about it, almost um, naturally, almost because it's a habit that they have developed. People develop a habit of thinking about bad things in the future that could happen. And as a result of that, they are racked with this feeling of anxiety about the future. Now, by using several words for prayer and piling them up, as Paul does at the end of verse 6 here, I think God's Word is telling us to replace the habit of worry, the habit of anxious thinking, with a habit of prayer. This is a command to make prayer the repeated response that we have when we encounter those feelings of anxiety, those feelings that take over our minds and our hearts. When you start to feel worried about a health condition that you have that could become serious, Paul says, stop dwelling on that thought, stop being anxious and feeding that anxiety, and instead... Take your requests to God. Talk to God in specifics about what you want. He's telling us to replace the habit of worry with a habit of prayer. 
And in that context, in verse 6, when Paul tells us to present our request to God with prayer and petition, he also adds this other word, thanksgiving. And the word thanksgiving tells us the manner in which we go to God in our prayers. God wants us to come with a certain habit of heart, with a certain uh, approach in our thinking and in our hearts when we come to Him. He wants us to come to Him in a certain manner. And that manner is the manner of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving tells us the manner, and it's the opposite of entitlement. An entitled person is not a thankful person. An entitled person never really thanks you or God for what they receive. Now think about this with me. If I go and buy something, there should be an equal exchange of value. I give money, which the person on the other end of the transaction values, and they give me whatever I'm buying from them. Let's say it's coffee. When I buy something, when I enter into the transaction, when I hand over my money, I am entitled to whatever it is I bought. It's mine now. It belongs to me. I might say thank you to the clerk who hands me my coffee, but my thanks is a, uh, a thanks of um, politeness. I'm being polite to the person by thanking them. But what I'm not going to do is get down on my knees and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for this coffee that you gave me. Because it's mine. I bought it. I'm entitled to it. And I'm also for sure not going to get out a thank you note when I get home and write a glowing, effusive note of thanks that I send off to the clerk who sold me the coffee. Any thanks I give is an act of being polite. It's not a genuine expression of thanksgiving. Nor do I expect the clerk to thank me or write me a thank you note for the money I handed over. We entered into a transaction, and each of us got what we wanted, and each of us was entitled by the transaction, by the agreement we entered into, to what we exchanged. I was entitled to the coffee. They were entitled to my money. But now one of us is entitled to anything from God. Not even the very next breath in our lungs is something that we're entitled to. Everything that we have, every second we have on this planet is a gift from a merciful God to us. And when we feel anxious and ask God for a specific outcome in prayer, it's appropriate for us to remember that. It's appropriate for us to remember that we are only here by the mercy and grace of God. And that the very next second that I have in my life is not something I'm entitled to, nor is it something that I'm guaranteed. Instead, it is the gift of a gracious God to me. And in addition to the moments of my life that are gifts of the graciousness of God, everything that I have, every good outcome that I have in my life, every material object I have in my life, whether I'm thankful for it or not, has been given to me by the gracious hand of our Creator. And so it's important for us when we come to God praying and when we feel anxious and replace that anxiety with asking God for specific outcomes in prayer, it's important for us to remember that we're not entitled to anything from God. And so let our praying to God be specific, yes, but let it be couched 
Let it be delivered in a manner that gives thanks to God for what He has done for us and for the promises that He gives us in His Word and for the positive expected outcome that we may receive from God when we pray. This is the manner in which we come to God. We should come to God in a thanksgiving manner. And this means thanking God, of course, for the access that we have to Him in prayer through Jesus Christ. It means thanking God for answers to prayer that He's already given to us, and even things we didn't think to pray about, that God has graciously and mercifully provided to us. God has done so much for us. And yet we feel so entitled. God says when we come to Him, when we give and use this antidote to anxiety that His Word gives to us, we should do so in a thankful way, remembering the grace and mercy of God that allows us to come before His throne in Jesus Christ and present our requests to Him in the first place. Also in verse 6, we see this phrase that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. In every situation tells us the occasion in which we should present our requests to God. That is, the occasion for presenting your requests to God when you feel anxious is every situation, every occasion you can think of. Now, it's a pretty self-explanatory phrase. And it means we can pray to God about anything, no matter how small and insignificant it may seem to us or to other people. Because the truth of the matter is, if we knew the kinds of things that cause us to be anxious, if other people knew the things that cause us anxiety, we might feel foolish. And they might judge us for the tiny things or the really unlikely things that cause us anxiety. And so sometimes when we feel anxious, we might feel ashamed to pray for something, for a certain outcome. But the Scripture invites us and says, no, in every situation, if you feel anxiety about it, God says, come to my throne with it. Bring it before me and reveal it. Make it known to me. Present it to me in order to have the antidote for anxiety that God promises. We can pray about anything, and God invites us to pray in every situation. If it gives you anxiety in any way, take it to God in prayer. That's the invitation in verse 6. That's the occasion in which we should pray. The content of our prayers is found in that phrase, your requests. The, the phrase, your request, tells us the content of our prayers. When we go to God with our prayers and petitions and we make known with thanksgiving the things that are on our minds, what God wants from us is a request. He wants something specific. Again, these are specific things that you want from God. And so if you are feeling anxious about the job that you have, that it's in a company that's not doing well and layoffs might be looming, and you are concerned about your ability to earn a living for your family. The scripture says, take that to the Lord in a specific prayer request. Ask him for what you want. What is it that you want? Do you want to survive the layoffs that might be coming? Do you want to find another job in a more stable company? 
What exactly is the request that you want? The Scripture says, when you present it to God, make it specific. Or if you have a son or daughter who's grown up in your home and they've heard the gospel message, but they haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you're concerned about their eternal soul, and you're concerned about the sinful decisions that they're making in their life. Or maybe they have made a profession of faith, but they're still making foolish and sinful decisions. And that causes you anxiety. It causes you to stay awake at night with your heart racing and all of those physiological symptoms I described in the last session. If anxiety is taking over in that situation, then ask God for something specific. Ask God to reveal himself in the gospel to that person to that son or daughter, so that they come to genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Ask God to bring his loving hand of discipline into that person's life, to chasten them and to humble them so that they come to Jesus Christ for eternal life. I think one of the reasons why we don't pray like we should and one of the reasons why we don't replace anxiety with the kind of prayer that God wants is that we are much too general about the things that we ask God for. We aren't specific about what we want from God. Instead, we just ask God to help. We ask God to be with us. We make very vague requests of God. The Bible says, think about the outcome that you want. Think about the thing you would want to avoid in the future that's causing you anxiety. And then package that in the form of a specific request and bring that before the Lord every time you feel the spin of anxiety in your heart and in your mind. The object of our praying is found in that phrase, to God. To God tells us the object of our praying. And this is where I want to return again to that question that I left lingering earlier on in this session. Why do we need to make known our requests to God, given that He already knows what we need before we ask it, as Jesus said? And the answer to that relates to something I said in the previous session. In session 32, I talked about anxiety and how anxiety is ultimately about control. The reason why we feel anxious is not that we think negative things are going to happen to us. We know negative things are going to happen to us. The reason we feel anxious is we're not sure we can control the decisions that we make or that others make to avoid that negative, or, to, or if that negative thing encounters, we're, uh, we do encounter it, we're not sure we have control to master it. Anxiety is ultimately about the future, but it's ultimately about our lack of control when it comes to the future. And so I talked in session 32 about anxiety and how anxiety is related to control. People experience anxiety when they think about possible negative things that could happen in the future. And because we care about something, remember that's what anxiety means, it means to care. Because we care about something in the future, but that we can't control it, We can't make sure it happens, or we can't make sure to avoid the bad thing we're worried about. We feel anxiety. When we pray, however, what do we do? We are acknowledging that God controls the future, and I don't. And if you're putting your desire for control aside to pray, that is honoring to God. That's really what is going on when you present your requests to God. You're putting aside your desire for, for control and you're submitting it to the authority of God himself. By replacing the things that you're worried about with specific prayers for specific requests, you're humbling yourself 
before the almighty and sovereign God. And that's why God wants you to ask, even though he knows what you want. It demonstrates your total dependence on him. It relinquishes the control that we all wish we had or think that we have and instead submits it in a righteous and worshipful way to God who really is in control and has every right to control the future. I think there's another reason why God wants us to ask him specifically, even though he knows what we need. And that is so that we'll notice his work in our life. Think about it this way. If you became a Christian and all of a sudden everything just started to go right for you, all of a sudden your damaged relationships just suddenly got better and just suddenly improved, all of a sudden your tenuous job situation got much better and you were offered a a better promotion with a stronger company financially and you didn't have to do anything, it just happened for you. And all of a sudden, your physical health got better, and you actually started to look nicer. And everything about your life just suddenly improved after you became a Christian. And I think you and I would tend to forget about God. We would forget that it's the work of God in our life that brings good outcomes. Instead, we'd start to think that it was our own efforts. And even we might even feel entitled to the good things that God gives us if they just came as a matter of course once we became Christians rather than as a result of our prayers. You might even start to think that false ideas like karma or good luck are true and that you stumbled into this karma or good luck when you found Jesus Christ. But if we learn to depend on God, if we actually present specific requests to God, then we'll notice the work of God in our life. We'll see when God delivers the specific thing that we ask or when God gives us an answer that's even far beyond what we could have thought of. We'll see the work of God in our lives if we are humbly, regularly, habitually presenting ourselves before Him, submitting ourselves to Him, bringing our specific requests before Him, instead of going on the constant hamster wheel of worry that anxiety brings to so many of us. This is why the Bible tells us that God should be the object of our asking. It relinquishes our desire for control. It submits it to the power of Almighty God, and it shows us and helps us notice the work that He is doing in our lives. And so let me ask you, are you struggling with anxiety right now? Have you struggled with anxiety over the course of your life? The Scripture's antidote to anxiety is to turn in faith to God in prayer, to bring specific requests before Him over and over again in a regular, habitual manner of praying, bringing that before God. And in the next session, we'll show what God promises to do when we do this. In verse 7, it says, the result of us praying in this way is that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so in the next session, we'll look at the result that the Scripture promises to us when we replace anxiety with specific prayer. This is a better brand of happiness. Instead of the happiness that comes from controlling your outcomes in life, 
It's a brand of happiness that comes from submitting to the will of God by bringing your prayers specifically to God and asking for his help and favor in your life. And so when you rejoice in the Lord, when you choose to make Christ and who he is and what he's done for you the object of your joy, and the reason for your significance in life, when you rejoice in the Lord, it will make you gentle, prayerful when anxious, intentional in your thinking, and obedient to God's word. If we apply that big idea to this specific message, we'll see that a better brand of happiness comes from praying when you feel anxious. This is a better brand of happiness.